1: Keep playing, keep working,
2: keep going, and keep moving. With the exceptional orthopedic care at Baptist Health, with an experienced team and a full line of advanced services and procedures, it's no wonder most people choose Baptist to help them keep on keeping on. Visit baptisthealth.com ortho to find a Baptist Health provider.
3: Big pitch set out on top, but the ball is loose.
0: And now oh, they get
3: it to C, though. It's going to be Louisville in front. Oh! oh, oh. Incredible! Oh! 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 oh. oh the Louisville native Muhammad Ali was here earlier once said, I shook up the world. In BCS Bowl terms, you guys shook up the world. Oh, I'm the king of the world. Hold it, hold it, hold I'm it. I'm Hold it, you're not that pretty I'm great.
4: a bad man. I shook up the world. Slack, Slack, First and Slack, third two-up. The 2-2 for me. Swing and a miss. The Cards.
1: Welcome into another edition of Louisville Sports Live, the city's longest-running all ufl sports talk show right here on 93.9 The Ville. I'm Ethan Moore. Taylor is off tonight as he is traveling back to the Derby City. Zach Cantrell behind the glass, and we'll be chatting us up here, all things Louisville football, basketball, and recruiting. And Zach, I know, is in a Ohio State band that um, you're probably not overly happy with the result last night, but, you know. You would be right. Okay, but, you know what I mean? We don't have to listen to um, all those SEC honks and, bam, I should do this, bam, I should do that, blah, 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 that blah. That is like the
0: one positive is that the SEC people will be quiet for a little bit, and I can't wait to see how ESPN tries to cover a national championship game that doesn't involve an SEC team. And I mean, all, if you're a Florida State fan – The two teams that got in ahead of you, they both lost. So yesterday couldn't have really gone much better for Florida State.
1: Yeah, man, we're going to get into that. Um, You know, it doesn't take much for me to get into conference realignment. Um, Although that is rearing its ugly head again. We'll get into that at some point. Um, We have, Zach, um, a first-time guest that will be joining us in our number one, Kevin Sweeney of SI. Um, He is one of their very talented college basketball writers. He also covers some college football as well. Uh, We're going to bring him on for his perspective um, from a national viewpoint of the Louisville basketball program as well as Kenny Payne's job status as the Cards um, take on UVA, who is, uh, Zach, uh, not the UVA we all know, and, and I'm not going to say love, uh, loathe. Um, nobody loves ten, watching
0: Virginia play. No, nobody. No,
1: still a very talented team, but not the Virginias of old when they were, you know, consistently top 15, top 20, even top 10. Um, early on, man, they might be a fringe tournament team uh, at best. Uh, a lot of ugly losses. They're 10 and 3, but those three losses. Um, are um, 20 points each, uh, drubbing at Memphis. Uh, They got blasted this weekend by Notre Dame, of all teams. Um, One of the teams, the only team, rather, that Louisville is favored to beat. Um, Maybe not anymore. Yeah, well, we will see there. Um, Of course, too, um, a lot of news and notes as far as the portal is concerned. Um, are you concerned at all um, about uh, what's looked like a mass exodus of a lot of the wide receiving core? Uh, I, for one, am not. Um, certainly losing Kevin Coleman um, hurts. AHB, I felt like, um, although a very talented young man, never really blossomed into that, that speed speedster that we envisioned. Um, Kevin Coleman had a good year. But, you know, when Thrash was hurt, uh, those two guys were the odds-on favorite to really step up in his absence. And, you know, they had okay seasons. Um, They had around 20 catches each, 300 yards. I think they each had three touchdowns as well. So, I mean, they they had a good year, but they really didn't step up like we all thought. So, um, you know, now uh, a true freshman who, again, in this day and age, uh, you know, There's not going to be a lot of patience involved. Um, William uh, Foles uh, from Florida. He was a high three-star prospect, very good size, very good talent, but uh, just, I guess, didn't really want to wait too much longer to see where he would fall in the depth chart. So he has entered in the portal as well. So those are three wide receivers. I think Zach, probably Kevin Coleman, is a little bit of a surprise. AHB not really in – you know, any other wide receiver. I guess Foles was a little bit. um, But overall, um, I'm not concerned. And I really think um, when this portal class is all said and done, we are going to be very, very happy. Um, And I think a lot of names that you, um, you know, are wanting to know about, wanting to say who's who's visiting, you know, what other schools are they looking at? I think a lot of this, um, you're going to hate the phrase, but I think the coaching staff might be moving in silence a little bit.
0: But yeah, I unlike, think
1: so. unlike the basketball, Zach, unlike the basketball side, the football um, program has been getting some results both on the field and in recruiting. So they can work in silence a little bit because we know, too, um, there's been a host of visitors um, that are canceling because they're getting you know their list out there early. And if they're not visiting, more often than not, they're getting paid not to visit or getting more money to go elsewhere to take other visits. So it's a crazy, crazy world, man, out there um, in in the NIL stages. So that is where uh, we'll focus on tonight. Um, But, you know, there's not a whole lot going on that was any different from when we last uh, joined you guys on the airwaves in terms of Louisville men's basketball and football. Of course, football wrapped up. Um, a good season, although very disappointing end. And I don't think, Zach, anybody's super excited for the ACC slate of coming for the Hoops team.
0: No, I'm thinking not. I mean, you start right away with Virginia, and even when Louisville's been good historically, they've never matched up all that well with Virginia. Uh, you got nope. North Carolina coming up. They're in a tight one right now with Pitt. Pitt looks Actually, better than I think people kind of anticipated. Uh, Duke, Cars you got take them on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. You got to play Duke. I mean, you, you got to play the usual teams in the ACC. It, it, it's tough to find where the wins are coming from. But I, I did want to make a point earlier. We talked about how Notre Dame stomped Virginia. Michael or Micah Shrewsbury, Louisville guy. Uh, he came out after what they lost by. They lost to some bad team. Earlier, And he basically said, like, if these guys don't want to put in the effort, they're going to sit on the bench. We're going to find replacements. We're going to do this and that. And that was refreshing to hear from a coach after his team underperformed and did not go out and take care of business. And it's something that the current administration at Louisville just does not do. And it's paid off for Notre Dame. They're playing better basketball and they went out and handled business against UVA. Like, I don't know, maybe motivating your guys and putting a fire under their ass. Maybe that'll work every now and then, but I guess we'll never know.
1: No, and if you listen to Kenny Payne's presser today, I mean, nothing really stood out to you, um, if, you if you listen to it. It was only about seven or eight minutes. Um, but one thing, Zach, that, that kind of stood out to me was, was asked about, you know, are you um, – you know, what do you think of this year's ACC um, makeup, uh, the teams out there? And he was like, you know, I haven't really had time to watch any ACC basketball. I'm just focused on Virginia. Well, you know, again, you know, the cynic in me is like, well, you know, the you have about two weeks off. <laughs> There's a lot of basketball on. Now is the time when the kids are off to kind of scout, you know, some opponents maybe within the next two weeks or so. Um, but based on what he said, um, you know, they're just focusing on Virginia. And I don't know if they've watched much film on Pitt or not either. And those last year, if you remember, um, they took a – um, you know, they lost just about every game anyways, but they had two embarrassing losses at home and at Pittsburgh last year.
0: Yeah, those exactly. were the ones that really stood out to me. Like the one, especially on the road, when they just went to Pitt and looked like a Division II team. I think that was probably their worst performance of the year. I, I did want to go back to football for a moment. I, I do think that they're moving in silence. I trust that they're going to go out and get receivers. Alabama just had another receiver go into the portal. And they got, you know, Ja'Cory Brooks, who, of course, he had – success at Alabama like he had put up yeah. some numbers had a big touchdown catch against Auburn to help him win the Iron Bowl a couple years ago I, I, Jeff Brom's not going to let the receiver room go to shambles like this is one of the best no. offensive play callers in all of college football he, what what he see last year is one of their weaknesses the tight end room well they went and bulked up at tight end <laughs> I think he's going to be just fine like I, I know Kevin Coleman that's the one that hurts but I, I think Amari Huggins Bruce I think we knew he was probably going to leave um but I I don't really worry that much about the receiver depth. I'm. Do you put any stock into Pierce Clarkson like all the stuff going on there, or do you think that's just smoke?
1: I, I think there's there's it's just I, I wouldn't even call it a smoke. I think it's maybe an ember. Um, no, and and I think primarily because this coaching staff and Pierce Clarkson's father, um, are on the same page. They were on the same page with Sat. Uh, you know, they want him brought along. They want him in the weight room. They 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 don't want to throw him to the Wolves. And I think, too, no matter what, I, I, I truly believe the plan for Pierce was to redshirt his f- true freshman year because, remember, he enrolled early. So um, he's been here now a year and a half. And I do think after that, uh, it, it's more or less he would be battling – for the backup job for his, you know, redshirt freshman year. Get a lot more reps. You know, hopefully uh, we're talking, you know, blowouts. You got Austin P and Jacksonville State to start the season. Those should be comfortable wins where you start getting your younger backup some reps. And then, two, we have to see, Zach, after spring ball, who's in that, in that quarterback group. Who is still going to be here? Now you have Brady Allen, who's a four-star guy, Harrison Bailey, um, as well, four-star guy, I think a five-star at one point. Now, he was a preferred walk-on. I do think you're going to see some movement there in that quarterback group out after spring ball, but I, I don't think one of those quarterbacks that moves on is going to be Pierce Clarkson. I think that they the plan all along has been for him to, to, to really take his time so that he can be that guy his a red shirt sophomore year on. I don't think, at least the hope now, Zach, is that after this season, Louisville's Louis going to feel good about where they are with the quarterbacks. Because remember, Rivals ranks Deuce Adams a four-star as well. So you yeah. have anor- another talented guy. He's not coming now. He was supposed to enroll originally. His plan was to enroll in January. That has now been pushed back to the traditional timeline. So he'll be here June, July. But I think, you know, the, the plan all along for Pierce is to be the backup there. And then hopefully, you know, in 2025, you're going to have Pierce, Brady Allen, or Deuce Adams, you know, competing to, to be your starter, with especially with Allen and Clarkson here um, a couple of years. Now, again, I could see a scenario where, you know, next spring, if Pierce Clarkson is named the starter, that, that Brady Allen wants to go elsewhere because, you know, he wants to play. Um, but I think I think Deuce Adams has the same type of plan that Pierce Clarkson does. He's going to be brought along. They're not going to rush him. Um, and then too, I, I remember watching Pierce against Murray State. He needs to put some. He needs to put some weight on. You know what I mean? So I, I think this is perfectly fine for him to get that um, that series against Murray State. Um, but now, continue to to really d- dive into that playbook. Get bigger physically. Um, and mentally in in this offseason and be ready to go in the spring. And perhaps there's some packages like there was for Evan Connolly for Pierce next year. We'll see, but uh, I'm with you. Just like the offensive side of things with Jeff Brom, last year we had a bunch of holes on the offensive line uh, to get uh, plugged. Now those guys, you know, that need was addressed rather quickly. The same thing here um, with the wide receiver group. And I do think – that we are not done uh, in terms of adding some more talent and size um, and depth uh, for that wide receiving group. And you know, overall, if you look at the group, uh, Zach. I don't know about you, but again, I mentioned it kind of last week, and and I feel, I still feel the same. I mean, outside of, outside of Thrash. I mean, who really, who really stood out to you? I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Maybe. Huggins, Maybe Bruce had Chris. a couple
0: moments, but yeah, it wasn't. Chris consistent. Bell had a couple moments. Yeah. I
1: expect Chris Bell to stay. Uh, but Kevin Coleman, twenty-six catches, three sixty-two, two touchdowns, AHB, twenty catches, three hundred and twelve yards, four touchdowns. Um, but then, like Jimmy Calloway, um, he was he was rather quiet. Twenty catches, two hundred and forty-two yards, no scores. Jaden Thompson as well. He had one touchdown. On twelve receptions for one hundred and thirty five yards. I mean, those guys were pretty quiet. and just like Tyler Hudson from um, two years ago, he had the lion's share of the receptions and the targets and the yardages and the touchdowns. We kind of saw the same thing except uh, you replace Hudson with thrash. So hopefully um this new Paul hall uh, that's very talented will have'll will have multiple weapons. you'll have you'll you'll have a one two punch. and I think, you know, when you bring guys in like Colin Lacey, who arguably um, is, you know, the best, certainly one of the best wide receiver receiver portal targets out there, he casts his lot. He's going to be in that slot position for Jeff Brom, 5'10", 190 from South Alabama. You get him in here, that's going to be somebody uh, outside opposite of Ja'Cory Brooks. You mentioned it from, from Alabama. He's a four-star, and the transfer wire was a five-star coming out of high school. I don't know about you, Zach, but I'm going to take five-star kids coming out of high school that went to Alabama that didn't pan out. Yeah. I will be glad to take him. There's here. a
0: reason those guys are five-stars, and it, it's not that Ja'Cory Brooks didn't pan out at Alabama. It's Alabama's pretty deep, and he just kind of got lost in the shuffle, but he did have some moments, and you, you come to Louisville, and... I think he's going to be probably wide receiver one or wide receiver two coming into next season, and that's where you kind of start to build the depth. We saw it toward the end of the season. Jamari Thrash, when he started to slow down, there really wasn't anybody else that picked it up on the other side. Like You need three, four guys that you can count on, and not to defend Jack Plummer, but it makes his life a whole lot more difficult when he doesn't really trust who he's got to throw the ball to, not to mention the tight end room wasn't particularly all that strong last year. So I, I would expect Brom to hit the receiver portal class pretty hard, and I, I think they're going to get that depth. I think you're going to see three, four receivers that can go out and make a contested catch on a third down or you know just be able to – I want to see them open up the offense a little bit because we talked about what they probably ran, what, 70% of what Brom usually wants to do? because of the personnel last year, probably 70% of the offense. I might even say
1: maybe 60. I don't know. I just I just remember we didn't see that many trick plays. No. I mean, how many, like, you, you saw a couple every now and then. Like, you saw the one against Boston College, like the fake kneel, um, to close out the first half. That was yeah. brilliant. You saw that little wrinkle that didn't work against USC on the kickoff. Like, I want to see more of those flea flickers. I liked Evan Conley doing the fake pitch. Um, out of the wild card like I I like seeing those little wrinkles but we didn't even see the wrinkles very much no we
0: really didn't and that's the thing he was known for at Purdue I mean how many times in big games they against Ohio State in 2018 they faked the punt which kind of turned the momentum of the game we saw it you know against Michigan State they had a throwback to a running back for a touchdown that kind of helped break that game open like in a lot of the big games that he coached at at Purdue they were running fakes they were running flea flickers they were running trick plays and I just – I don't know if he trusted the personnel on this team to be able to do that, but what he also knew is that the strength of the team was Jawar Jordan and Isaac Arundo. So he rode with it, and that's what a good offensive play caller does.
1: And there has been some rumblings, rumblings, nothing official, that, that I think that Garindo, um could potentially be leaning about returning. Now, um, I think the book was basically written on him. At least all the scuttlebutt was that he was not going to be back. I think that is at least an option. I have no, um, I have no inside scoop. I just that's the vibe that I've kind of heard hearing. I wouldn't be able to put like a percentage of likelihood. I, me just talking, I say maybe 40-60 he comes back. Um, so I don't know, but I think that is an option. I think Quincy Riley could potentially be. I'm returning as well, um, you know, and each day you don't hear um, these guys in the portal. I mean, uh, two plus two equals four, as far as I know. So it looks like, again, they could be trending towards things. There's nothing official. I haven't heard one way or the other. Um, but generally, if you want to make your decision, um we would have known that by now. I think the portal closes tonight at midnight for for a time period, and then it opens back up. I think back in the spring. Um, I'm not exactly sure on the timeline for that, but I know that window is closing here shortly as you know these spring semesters get started. So, again, moving in silence is the football staff. I think there's going to be several guys making visits that we won't know um until after the fact or they might pop with a commitment so keep your eyes and ears open for this weekend uh and I think when it's all said and done we're going to be very very pleased with this portal class
0: yeah I I mean when you rank in the top five in portal class I think you're obviously pretty happy with it but I like that they're they're not just relying on running back receiver quarterback name your position it's kind of a spread out balanced class they're getting guys on both sides of the ball and that's needed because Ron English's defense toward the end of the season particularly good and what I want to see is them you know actually have second get secondary guys linebackers you can't just rely on the defensive line to get after the quarterback and have that as basically the only thing you do on that side because if you run into a good offensive line that gets neutralized and then you're kind of stuck so I want to see them emphasize secondary and linebackers that's the biggest things I want to see them do defensively because I, I trust Brom. Offensively, He's oh, yeah. getting the tight end room, going to get the receiver room. I think if, you know, if Garendo ends up leaving, I bet he goes and gets a running back as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I have all the confidence in the world. Again, remember how dire the situation was last year, last spring with the offensive line, and literally Brom went out and locked that up in less than a week. I mean, you had guys visiting and committing, and, you know, The lion's share of those guys were who your starters were outside of those returnings, returnees. So I'm with you. I have all the confidence in the world that when it's all said and done, it's going to be a very impressive portal haul. I mean, you're just looking at some of the guys right now. Thor Griffith, five-star name, maybe four-star talent-wise in the portal class. He's going to be on the D-line, Jordan Garrard. He's going to be there as well. And then All-ACC and All-American Ashton Jalati returns. you got Mason Reiger back, Dez Tell, Jermaine Lole potentially coming back, Jared Dawson potentially coming back, Perrier. I mean, there's a lot of talent there. Linebacking core, T.J. Quinn. Hopefully Ben Perry stays. I, I haven't heard anything different there. Stanquan Clark. Um, you know, potentially starting there too. Those are three talented guys right there: Perry, Quinn, and Clark. Um, T.J. Capers, remember that five-star that came in from Miami or, um, uh, as an early enrollee. He was hurt. He's rehabbed. He'll be ready to go. Antonio Watts, a uh, guy that that made a lot of plays uh, in a backup spot and on special teams. He's back. So there's going to have there's going to be a lot of talent here. I'm with you though, defensively. You really have to shore up that secondary. Now, MJ Griffin coming back healthy, that would be big. Of course, you've gotten Jalen Kimber from Florida, Corey Thornton from UCF, and potentially Quincy Riley coming back. I feel good there, but I still need more depth and more speed. What's What say you in terms of where we are now, first defensively, then offensively, who who do you feel like Brahms still needs to kind of shore up? What position groups?
0: Yeah, I'd say defensively, I think secondary. That's a position I want to see them get better at. MJ Griffin coming back helps out, but I, I need to see that secondary, especially the safeties. I think the safeties, we saw a lot of bad angles. We saw some bad tackling uh, against USC. When you allow Miller Moss to throw six touchdowns, you, you mm. need to go out and uh, – You got to attack the corner room, got to attack the safety room. Everything should be open there. I want to see the linebackers as well. Did we really hear anything about Louisville's linebackers last year? Not a whole lot of tackles for loss. I mean, teams didn't really necessarily run the ball down their throat, but they weren't necessarily uh, dominant against the run either. So I think those are the two positions defensively that I want to see. And then, I mean, let's see what they finish off with with the receiver room. The other position I think that always gets undervalued by fans is the offensive line. And mm-hmm. you if you don't have a good offensive line, then nothing else matters offensively. I think I, I want to see Louisville go out and try to, you know, get some beef up front. But the biggest thing for me is depth. What do we see against USC? You know, the oh, starting twenty two might be close, but USC had second string guys, third string guys that, let's face it, probably would have started better. at Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. They, they probably would have started it. 80% of Division One colleges out there, I want to see Louisville acquire some depth. I want to see those backups, those third stringers that, you know, if a guy gets hurt, your season's not lost. You just go to the next guy, as they say, next man up. And I think that's the biggest thing I want to see is just the accumulation of depth so that there's not this dramatic drop-off between the first 22 versus the next 22 and i think they'll do that i think this will be the least deep team that jeff braum ever has i think he realizes how important that is we saw it at purdue you can't survive in the big 10 if you don't have depth i don't think you're going to be able to survive in the new acc without depth so i i just want to see them accumulate bodies
1: yeah i'm with you there but you mentioned it as far as depth is concerned i mean louisville uh, and the coaching staff did a great job with that running back area. I mean, because you had Jordan, again, all-ACC type of performer, had an all-American type season uh, through the first half uh, of this past year. Uh, but then, you know, once he got banged up and, and didn't play at, at 100% and missed games, well, IG comes in. And, you know, he's a different kind of back. He's more of, I'm going to run through you. But he also showed a little bit of elusiveness there towards the end when he was getting – uh, more carries uh, we didn't have that at the quarterback spot we didn't have that in terms of playmakers at the wide receiver group as well I think also the offensive line we saw um, albeit all, all a very disappointing performance in the bowl game I think by and large over the course of the season you had um, you know serviceable depth there of course we're not losing Ronaldo Brown um, the second half of the season certainly hurt uh, the team, there's no doubt about that. But again, you got Monroe Mills coming in, Vic Cutler from Ohio, the Ohio State, Jonathan Mendoza. So Lance Robinson, who was highly sought after last year in the portal, apparently he transferred twice or something, and was not able to play until the bowl game. That's right. Um, I think I think his grade uh, was pretty solid too um, coming out of the Holiday Bowl. So again, you're going to have talent and depth. I think the offensive line, you're good. I think defensive line, you're pretty good. I need more depth. I need quality depth and speed at the linebacking position as well as the secondary.
0: Yep. Those, I think, are the two biggest uh, positions that you need depth, no doubt about it.
1: Now, how do you feel, like, Tyler Shuck in terms of talent, again, I have no question about his talent. Um, Duke can sling it, can make all the throws that Braum's going to ask him to make. How concerned are you from the injury-prone perspective as far as Mr. Shuck is concerned?
0: Well, how can you not be pretty concerned? Because his last two seasons have ended via season-ending injury, and kind of serious ones at that. So, I mean, you have to – I don't know if you have to plan for him to be hurt, but you've got to have a plan for if and when he gets hurt. And that's where Pierce Clarkson comes into play. That's where Brady Allen comes into play. But, yeah, I mean, if he stays healthy, Tyler Shook has the ability. No question about it. We saw what he did at Oregon. Helped them win the Pac-12 championship in his freshman year. He's put up pretty good stats at Texas Tech. But again, you almost you almost have to plan for him being hurt because when you have multiple seasons and via injury, you worry about you know the next time he gets hit. What if he gets hit low? What if he gets hit you know in yeah, the wrong that spot? Shoulder. That shoulder again? Yeah. I mean, so you want Tyler Shook? to be in the best position to succeed, and I think he can, but you have to be prepared for him to have another injury. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, and that's, that's just being real. A couple of other names that we haven't mentioned yet in this portal class, Don Chaney from Miami, um, of, uh, a very high four-star prospect coming out of high school, high three-star prospect in the portal. Um, he figures to to get a boatload of the carries, um, whether or not IG returns, I think if he does return, um, you know, you're going to see Chaney in the role that Garendo was, you know, spelling Jordan at times, a solid one-two punch there. And Kewan Brown, he was a guy in limited run that I felt was very, very impressive, very shifty back, very quick first step. Um, he was a mid-three-star kid from Atlanta. Um, I'm hoping that he stays in the fold because I can see this kid being a playmaker down the road for the Cards. Um, some again, some additional depth pieces: Jalen Kimber, corner from Florida; Tayon Holloway, corner from UNC. Um, and, you know, I don't know if those guys are, are going to be starters, or they're coming aboard to be starters, or they're going to be depth pieces. But still, if they can, if they can bring a speed element. To that position group, then I'm uh, I'm all here for that. Um, so so we'll see what happens there. Of course, Isaiah Cummings coming over from the school up the road, um, a male graduate. Glad to see him finish his college career at his hometown school. That'll be cool. And there's going to be places for him as well. He's listed as a tight end, but you also have Mark Redmond, uh, both a four star coming out of high school and a four star in the portal era. And then Tanner Cazole, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name, from Ball State. And I will go on record, I've said this numerous times, I'm going to say it again, the Louisville Cardinal, Zach, looks a million times better than the Ball State Cardinal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, oh,
1: for sure. A lot more fierce, the Louisville Cardinal has teeth, the Ball State Cardinal does not. I think the Ball State Cardinal looks a little constipated, and the Louisville Cardinal looks like he's getting ready to fight, so that's good there, but you have those two guys, Mark and Tanner manning the, the tight end pos- position, um, as well as uh, Johnson, who the four-star tight end from Southern California, who had a rough go of it, if we're being honest, against USC, had a couple penalties, was lined up incorrectly, uh, but again, when you're a true freshman, you haven't played all year, uh, you're going to have to expect that, it's not going to go flawlessly, so uh, that's where we are with the football side of things. Uh, we're going to be joined by Kevin Sweeney from SI here in a little bit to get his take uh, on Louisville basketball. Uh, but Zach, before we get Kevin, I'm going to throw out this number. We talked about it a little bit last week. If I set the number four wins in ACC play, I'm going to ask Kevin this too. Mm-hmm. If I set that number at three and a half, what do you what do you hey, before you answer, but but think about it. There's going to be some opportunities. Sure. You got Notre Dame, you got, you know, a Syracuse, you have, you know, Georgia tech again, Louisville could lose all these games. Don't get me wrong. Louisville could lose all these just, as, just as easily. But I do think there's going to be some opportunities for wins. And I think with the talent on the roster, they're going to be due for a couple of hot shooting nights. If I'm given the three and a half number, I'm going to take the over barely.
0: So where do you think they're coming from outside of Notre Dame? Like what's, the ones that stand out, I guess.
1: I mean, I'm going to go with Georgia Tech at home, Notre Dame at home. Mm-hmm. Um, they have three games to close out the year at home. I think they're going to get one of those three:
0: Syracuse, VT, uh, and BC.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, Louisville could lose all three too. Yeah, but I still feel like the only the only games like I'm you know kind of zeroing in on. Do you, they're not winning um, that one. No, neither um, of them, but and, especially and I, not there. And I'm, not, and I'm not ready to say they're going to have a win on the road either. Because no. Because they've yet
0: to do it. No. Kenny um, hasn't won a road game, so I just... I think I would probably give them four, just based on the law of averages, based on hot shooting, and based on the fact that they have more talent than they had a year ago. But...
1: I mean that would only be doubling last year. I mean that means you're saying ah we're going to go four and sixteen instead of two of eight, yeah, two and eighteen.
0: That's right. I don't feel confident. Like it, the number's no, three yeah. and a half. That, that that that's about perfect actually as far as where to kind of lay your money because I don't really feel have a strong feeling either way. Like if they won two ACC games again, I wouldn't be surprised. If they managed to win four, five, even, I also wouldn't be surprised. I. I have no feel for them. That's the biggest problem with Kenny Payne and the problem with this program. There's no feel for anything whatsoever. And it's hard to wrap my mind around the fact that they won five non-conference games against worse competition, and yet they're going to figure out a way to win even four ACC games, like just see, on the surface of it.
1: Exactly, and see, that's where I am. If And uh, I'll pull up the Ken Palm numbers here in a minute, but like if... If Louisville's five and seven against a schedule that's ranked in the three hundreds, why would you think that? You know, Louisville would win one less game against a much tougher slate. It, but but part of my thinking for this is just because Louisville's just gonna, they're, they're gonna have a game like Western Kentucky and Clemson last year, where they shot the ball well, and you know f- they were finally catching the breaks despite the coaching or Fair. lack thereof. They just they just made plays themselves.
0: Yeah, I mean. Not it. That's why we don't gamble because I have no idea about this team. But yeah, I think four would be reasonable. Maybe could they get a fifth in the ACC tournament if they get the right matchup? I don't know. Mm, it yeah, probably not
1: because it's not. A, it's away from the um Center. That's also so true. Until, until, until I don't until think the ACC otherwise.
0: tournament's not. They're not coming to the um Center anytime soon.
1: No, no, no they are not. Well, before we get before we talk to Kevin, Louisville is ranked 182 in the latest Ken Palm, and their strength of schedule for the non-conference slate is 305. Now, there's 363 Division One teams. If you're five and seven against a schedule ranked 305, then again, I can see where. Uh, if you're saying you're crazy, if you're going to take, if the number's three and a half, or you're going to take the over, why are you like, I get it. Um, but I still just feel like, man, that you're going to have some opportunities. Uh, not that it matters. I mean, let's be honest. Not that it really matters one way or the other. Uh, but we'll see. We're, now we're, we're pleased to bring on um, an LSL first-timer, Kevin Sweeney from SI. How are you, boss? Thanks for joining us.
4: What's going on, fellas?
1: Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you! I'm glad to finally be able to get you on the program, man. I love I love your insight, love your takes. Do great work um, at si uh, So let's let's start thing. How shocked were you at Louisville's four and twenty eight season last year?
4: Uh, very shocked. Uh, I, I think I at least had some initial optimism that despite it kind of being a wonky roster that there would be a level of kind of energy and fight and that came with the Kenny Payne era that, that never, never really materialized. And that was obviously evident from Lenoir Ryan and moving forward. And, um, you know, I, I, think that was, you know, it was certainly, you know, four and 28 is a concerning sign in its own right. But I just think the lack of energy, the lack of fight, the lack of inspiration that that, that group showed, uh, throughout last year was as good an indicator as anything that things were not likely to go well uh, under Kenny Payne at Louisville.
1: Um, and we're talking to Kevin Sweeney at CBB underscore central on Twitter X. Uh, give him a follow. He does great work. Um, so, Kevin, so I, I noticed that last statement. So you didn't have necessarily any confidence that Coach Payne would get the job done going forward. You had seen enough from last year's 4-28 and campaign to not give you any confidence going forward, is that is that an accurate assessment?
4: Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I thought that the the talent level was upgraded this spring mm-hmm. to at least feel confident that you know, look, he, you know, he had an opportunity to start to turn it around. But in my opinion, I, I just felt like it was going to be a very tall task to go from that to ever building a program to the level that Louisville expects. It didn't mean it was necessarily like, oh, he's going to get fired this year; he's going to be done. But I, I, I just thought, you know, I, I don't think any coach who is going to be the head coach at Louisville and achieve what people expect you to achieve at that job, uh, can go in 28 in that job. I just, I just don't think that if you're that level of coach, you don't find a way to win more.
1: Well, you're, you're 100% correct, and that's the vast majority of Card Nation agrees with you. Uh, Kevin, and, that, and that's the pulse right now, um, that leads me into my next question. Were you surprised at all that Josh Hurd did not move on from pain after the embarrassing loss to Kentucky? Uh, we've referred to them as the team up the road on this show uh, a couple of weeks ago.
4: Yeah, look, I, I think it, it felt somewhat inevitable after Arkansas State, like, oh, we have to make a move just to make a move. And after the first mm-hmm. 24 hours kind of settled from that, I've talked to a lot of people around the industry, and I, the feeling I got was like, what are we actually doing by firing Kenny Payne today or after Kentucky versus waiting until a little bit later on. Like, what are, what are we actually gaining from it? Do we have a good situation that we can, you know, put together an interim and, and win more games? Like, like, where are we actually going from this? And I didn't really feel like I had a good answer to that question. I don't think Louisville did either. Look, I mean, there, there's a certain statement and a message you send by firing him just because, look, this isn't acceptable. And, you know, try to get a little bit of the egg off your face. But, you know, there was no salvaging this. And so, at least in, in my estimation, I didn't see it as some huge – shocked that they didn't elect to make a move because I still think it's inevitable at some point or another
1: yeah uh that that's that's certainly where we are now of course through um his season plus just nine and 35 overall two and tw- two and 20 in um acc play and zero and 19 on the road and neutral sites uh, that's simply um, not going to get the job done here So, Kevin, uh, you know, you talked to some industry sources after um, the last couple of losses. Um, Do you feel – I don't know if you heard Josh Hurd's um, statement in its entirety, but he basically said – he didn't say he's going to be the coach the remainder of the season. He said he's going to be the coach and lead this program into the new year. Do do you feel like in talking with people around the industry um, that, you know, he could still be dismissed during the season – if they continue to lose games or, or they're just going to ride this out to the end of the season.
4: I think there's a very real chance that it happens. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if it happens in the next two to three weeks. I don't think this is a Martin Luther King day firing, save for another you know, huge embarrassing moment, right? You know, you lose the game by 50, maybe it happens. have a Karan Davis 2.0, maybe it happens. But I, I think the most likely outcome is, is some sort of parting of ways announcement towards the end of February that gives you a chance to, to get into the market a little bit earlier, be a little bit more aggressive and, and open and feeling out candidates. Um, you know, just be the first big job that's available uh, without showing up, Kenny, without, you know, whatever the concerns were, whether it's you know respect for Kenny, whether it's um, a lack of interim situation, whatever it was, like, I, I think waiting until late like February solved a lot of those problems. I think that's generally where it's going to wind up. I, I would be surprised if he, coaches the last game of the season this year for Louisville, but, you know, wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I think, again, at the end of the day, like every, everyone knows this job will be on the market. And you, when you talk to people, everyone is already angling. You know, anyone who's interested is already angling or working behind the scenes to get involved if they want to be involved. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think that the time that they officially make the announcement is all that important in the grand scheme of things.
1: So I want to dig a little bit deeper into that one. So um, you, you've heard, I mean, there's certainly been rumblings as well that, Uh, you know, potential suitors are, you know, are well aware that this job is going to come open. Do you have any reservation at all that Louisville uh, will, what wouldn't be able to attract a big time head coach for this position when it becomes available?
4: Well, I think it depends on your definition of big time, right? Like I I think it's going to be hard to pull, you know, truly proven elite coaches are, are very hard to pull, right? Like, There's a reason Scott Drew hasn't left the job. There's a reason that Jay Wright is retired and not coaching somewhere else right now. Like like you, you talk about that level of name. I think it's going to be very challenging, but I think that Louisville should be able to pull a very, very accomplished coach. Right. Like to me, the floor should be like a dusty may Um, the floor could be, you know, a a sitting high major coach with you know tons of experience. Like uh, I think Greg McDermott at Creighton would be an example of this. Like Greg McDermott, I, I think would want that job. He instantly raised the floor quite a bit. He just went to the Elite Eight last year. He's got another very good team this year. Plays a great style of basketball. Like to me, that's the worst case is you're getting someone like that, and you can swing swing bigger obviously. Um, but to me, I think be able to get, if nothing else, a proven high major coach or the best mid major name on the market in Dusty May.
1: Yeah, that um, that's he's been a name. We've heard that name. Uh, as well, there's, there's a lot of hashtags going around, lusty, dusty. Um, you know, also, we've got, you know, Mick is the pick for Mick Cronin. So, um, Kevin, all right, so put on your AD cap for us. Who do you think, just if you're the AD at Louisville, what, give me three names who you think are, you know, top coaches and gettable coaches for Louisville as, um, as we are this current state of affairs with the program.
4: Yeah, I think I think Dusty would be one. Um, I, I think Jerome Tang would be a name that I would very seriously consider. Not having a great second year, but you know, just the job he did a year ago at, at Kansas State was remarkable, and would certainly be the type of guy to bring excitement and energy back into that program. His ability to you know go out in the community and engage with people and uh, make them feel a part of of building a program, I think, it has been one of the more special things he's been able to accomplish it. At K State, and I think that's exactly what Louisville needs right now, given, you know, some of the apathy that, that you see, um, you know, with the MPC to, and the challenges of, of just getting a fan base back engaged. Uh, you know, third name, you know, I, I, I think you have, to, you have to mention Mick and Mick Cronin from, from UCLA seems somewhat unhappy with the current status quo at UCLA. I don't know how the money works there. He has a monstrous buyout to, to get out of his contract at, at UCLA. Uh, but stranger things have happened. So I think he, he has to be on your call list because of his ties to the state, uh, his experience, and, and obviously his track record as a winner, right? If you're, if you're a little and you're a proven winner, there's a guy who's been to the Sweet 16 each of the past three years and went to a Final Four. So I uh, have, to, have to at least consider McCrone if if he's able to get out of his contract money-wise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're talking to Kevin Sweeney at CBB underscore Central on Twitter X. Uh, does great work at SN. S-I-NOW. Um, go check him out there. He um, has uh, several stories out on the uh, very entertaining Washington-Texas matchup last night. Uh, Kevin, uh, we talked about this number. Um, I don't know if you're a betting man or not, but just hypothetically, if I set the number, the over-under number for wins for Louisville basketball and ACC, they got 19 games left at three and a half. Are you taking the over or under? Oof. <laughs>
4: um, I think begrudgingly, I would take the over. Um, I think they probably get to four or five. I, I think that this team is more talented. And I, I've actually seen them in person three times this year, all three losses, but the two games in, in New York and then the DePaul game in Chicago. Uh, and I, I thought, especially in New York, like they, they showed real promise, they showed real talent. And there are going to be games like that where they're in game. And I would think that they will win a couple of them. Well, they wouldn't. You know four of them. I, I'm not necessarily sure they will. I'm certainly not confident in taking it, but I, I, I think that they will find a way to win. I think I think they do get to four. I don't think it'll be much more than that, but I think
1: they can get to four. We're talking to Kevin Sweeney here on Louisville Sports live again on Twitter X at CBB underscore Central. Kevin, you mentioned that you actually saw with your own two eyes uh, Louisville DePaul. That game, I think, after that loss, that really ratcheted up the fan uh, frustration, anger, apathy. You could, could kind of roll all those into one. Um, what was the most shocking thing in, in terms of Louisville that you saw when you witnessed that game live? Um,
4: that's tricky. I, I think one of the things that that really Stands out when you watch them, especially in a game like that where you know they kind of got punched in the mouth early and didn't know how to respond. Is that Louisville is a lot of me, 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 me guys, right? Like it feels like a collection of dudes who are out there to go collect their own numbers and not any real collective buy-in into anything that a coach is selling. And obviously, you know, I know it's something that Kenny talks about a lot in press conferences and kind of become you know punching bag line of sorts. But you know, I, I think. Part of that's on a coach, right? It's a coach's job to recruit kids that will buy into yeah. your vision, and it's on a coach to take those kids and get them to compete for one another, to play for something bigger than themselves. And I, I just did. I, I just felt like, especially once things went wrong, right? Especially as soon as as, as soon as they got punched in the mouth and, and struggled and went down, you know, double digits in the first half, it just felt like, all right, now it's time to go get my numbers. And you can't build a winning basketball team when you play like that.
1: You, you can't. Indeed, was there something, and we'll let you go with this. Was there something, and we've asked we have asked our listeners this before, and I'm just interested from a national perspective. Was there anything like last year that happened that you were like, oof, this is a major, major red flag? You mentioned the loss to, to Eleanor Ryan. Was there anything that you remember from last year that you are like, oh, man, this ain't going to work?
4: What's funny is, I, I mean, obviously all the results were, were horrific, but, but the thing that I, I think that stood out to me most was it was a team that had tons of weaknesses in roster construction, but it's, one, or its strengths were that it was big and athletic. And it did none of the things that big and athletic teams do well. Um, it didn't rebound the ball particularly well. They didn't force turnovers. They didn't run and press. They didn't you know, out-physical you, out-tough you. Like, none of the things that, that are in your control, they did well. And to me, like, that, those were the things I was, I, I was looking up and kind of just seemed so alarmed by. Like, in the preseason, I thought, hey, maybe this team will be competitive because they'll come out, they'll fight for Kenny, and, and they are, you know, former top 100 recruits with physicality and, and athleticism and the ability to kind of bully people. And, and if anything, they got bullied by smaller teams, by less skilled teams, by less physical teams. Like, it was just embarrassing at times. And I think that, to me, was the biggest red flag.
1: Uh, well, Kevin, man, we certainly appreciate your insight um, and and your takes, man. Uh, we look forward to doing this again, and, uh, you know, maybe we'll chat here um, after March Madness subsides, and we're talking about, you know, uh, potentially a new coach, man. We appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. Do the same. Kevin Sweeney of Sports Illustrated joining us here on LSL, a first-time guest. Uh, Zach, anything that he said, um, any takeaways from that, anything interesting? Um, I think that last, kind of his last takeaway was like, you know, they were big, but uh, they were a big team, you know, had some some talent, but like they didn't do anything well. I think that kind of stands out. And, you know, obviously that is not a very good reflection. Um, of the coaching and instruction going
0: on yeah that was going to be my thing is that they had a bunch of big guys but they didn't really do anything all that well so that was kind of my takeaway but he also had the same struggle that we did when we said all oh, three and a half and i i wish we all had a little more conviction that we could be like yes they're definitely winning more than three and a half or even no they're not winning more than three and a half like that that is just it's the perfect number nobody knows anything about this team right now and you know, from the outside looking in, I think everybody's just as confused as we are about where this program is right now. The fact that they've won nine games in the last two years, it's just inexplicable. And, but I, I like the names that he brought up. Dusty May, that's somebody that we've talked about. Maybe he becomes the next guy. May that's one of the first people you call. I think one of the first people you call is also Scott Drew. Like there's gonna be a lot of coaches. Greg McDermott's another guy that's interesting to me because he's had a lot of success at Creighton, you know, took them to the verge of the Final Four a year ago. That's a guy that has kind of maybe maxed out at Creighton, and he's done a lot of good things there, and Louisville might be a job that take into the next level I think now. he could take him to the next level. Yeah, I think he can. I, you could do, do a lot worse. Yeah, good yeah, co- I mean, yeah, good coaches are good coaches, whether you're at Creighton, whether you're at Louisville. And I think he can come here and, at the very least, make the Cardinals a twenty consistent 20-game 20 winner and get you – back into the NCAA tournament maybe have some opportunities to make some noise in tournament I think Greg McDermott would be a decent hire but yeah the, the coaching names I think pretty much the same people that we've talked about over and over again and you know makes us feel quite plugged in with where everything is right now so I, I don't think anything really surprised me from that I, but great great interview with Kevin Sweeney and uh Opie uh, this isn't his first time to- or his last time on LSL.
1: Yeah man um but he you know he's an, uh, again another person that kind of you know didn't give us any sp- potential names but is also hearing the buzz that there are people that have you know they they understand that this job is coming open and there's going to be some there's going to be some very good names you know attached to this job search um and then too I still think that I mean his rationale and Josh's uh, rationale for Retaining Kenny for the time being. I mean, I know uh, most people didn't like it, uh, myself included, when um, there wasn't a move. But then, if you do kind of take a step back, I, you can you can listen to that argument as to you know if if you didn't have you know you weren't sure of the amount of players that were going to come back or whatever. Uh, but still, uh, you know, I, I'm still willing to, to to see. Let's see how this. Looks in January because I think there's going to be another out there because I don't know Zach if you've looked uh, at this January schedule man, uh, but it is uh, it's not going to be easy at all. Of course they no. start at Virginia, then they welcome a much improved Pit team uh, to the U.M. Center on Saturday. They go to Miami, and then welcome in um, again another improved NC State team. At home, I think right there on paper, Pitt, and NC State at home, those are going to be your your opportunities to win ball games. If yeah, going to win in the month of January. Those yeah, I was just games... I was just
0: about to ask like, do you think they get one in January? Do you think all those wins are going to come in February? Because I'm split. I, I think they, there's a they, decent chance you, they go winless.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. If you don't win the home games with Pitt. And NC or NC State, then I don't think they win. You go at UNC, at Wake, Duke, Virginia, then at Clemson. First of all, since they've been a member of the ACC, they've never won at Clemson. Right. And, again, they don't win on the road with pain. Uh, they're not going to beat Duke, and they're not going to beat, you know, they're not going to beat Wake Forest team, um, who right now is in a dogfight at Boston College. They were up 10 B.C. went on an 8-0 run to close it to two, and now Wake is up four. Um, I believe Boston College will go to the free throw line with about a minute to go. But you're talking about, you know, the ACC competition, and you've got B.C. you got B.C. at nine and three. You know, Wake Forest is at nine and three. Syracuse is at ten and three. Um Virginia Tech doesn't look all that great. I you know, some people were hyping up that they almost won um, at Virginia Tech. Well, I got news for you. Virginia Tech's one of the bottom five of the ACC. They're not very good. Uh, and you're going to see that, you know, you're going to see that play out. So that might answer your question, Zach, earlier out of that final three home games. I think they might be
0: able to get Virginia
1: Tech. Um, I think but, that's you know, the
0: my, most likely of the three, I would say. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, I mean, if they don't beat Pitt Saturday – or NC State, and again, I don't think they're going to beat Pitt. Uh, Pitt's, you know, a lot more physical, um, and I, you know, I don't see him see him beat NC State. I mean, crazier things have happened, but if you miss those two opportunities, and that's on the the sixth and the thirteenth, then you're not winning a, a road game. No, um, the rest of the year. I tell you what. Let before we before we um, go to our mid show break, let's welcome Jerry on to LSL. Hey, Jerry.
3: Hey guys, I've, I've looked at the schedule and looked at it, looked at it. And from my perspective, we're going to win about three more games if we win three more games. I don't think we win a game in January. I don't think we win an ACC road game. And I just think that's, it is what it is. Um, I, a long time ago, I called 11 and 21, plus or minus three, and I'm going to be right on it. You know, I'm going to be on the low end like I said I, I picked eleven and twenty one plus or minus three uh, i I think we're going to go eight and twenty three in the regular season. Oh. I got a question for you um, does everybody I, I, I can't recall does everybody go to the ACC tournament or do they leave two or three or four teams out?
1: Everybody goes, but I do think once they welcome in um, SMU, Cal, and Stanford, that uh, Commissioner Phillips was talking about potentially, you know, having teams sit home and and only having an X amount, so they don't add another day to that tournament. But yeah, I'm with you, Jerry. I mean, you know, if if you're in best case scenario, if you win 11 games, guess what? That still gets you fired because it's still a terrible season. But yeah, I'm with right. you. Well, I mean, I can see eight wins. Um, like I said, I would if the number's three and a half, I would I would go with four. But then too, I agree with you. You haven't we've yet to win a road game or a neutral site game under Kenny Payne, so why would you assume that we're going to win a game on the road? Because that just doesn't happen. Um, I mean, so. I
3: think now uh, you're saying we're going to play in the ACC tournament, so I think we go eight and twenty-four. I think that's what our record's going to be, eight and twenty-four. Um, not, not, I don't really think we're that much better than we were last year. And the sad thing about the whole deal is, uh, I think I think if they which I don't think it's gonna happen, thank goodness, but I think if they were to retain him, we'll be worse next year. And the reason I say that is is I think there'll be, you know, two to four guys leave and our recruiting uh, is non existent. Non existent, yeah. And, and so there you go. So, you know, I think the writing's on the wall. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. And, and if it wasn't to happen, I don't know who would be making that decision and what they would be thinking. Because, again, I think uh, if he was retained, it, 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 he'd be a lot worse next year. You know, I don't see it any other way. And, and it's, uh, it's where we're at. I, uh, I could beat the dead horse to death. I was never for the hire in the first place. Blah blah blah. I've said that a hundred times. Maybe not with you guys, but with others. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see who they can reel in. I, I think I, I'm 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 a I'm a glass half full on that deal. I think we'll we'll oh, have sure. plenty of applicants. I think somebody uh, good will want it. I think we need to be patient with it and not just grab. You know, I, the one thing about the Chris Mack hire, I didn't feel like Vince Tyree was patient enough. I felt like he should have let the uh, this is I'm dating myself with by saying this, but I felt like he should have turned the fax machine on and let the let the let the fax machine done its work and see who who might have come across the you know who, whose paper might have spit out there. You know what I'm saying? And, sure. And because I think there's always a chance that somebody's disgruntled with their boss, not to get along with their boss ready for a challenge, ready for a change, um, uh, tired of being at a football school, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, I think there's going to be opportunities. I hope we can reel somebody in really good. And um, I, I think style is important. That, that's, what, that's the one thing that concerns me about hearing about Mick Cronin. Uh, I, I have a lot of people tell me that Mick Cronin's a really good coach. I've got friends in the coaching business and the Division one level that say we'd be lucky to get him and maybe we would, but his style scares me a little bit with the fan mm-hmm. base. I'm not crazy about his offense, never have been, um, and and I, I feel like we need to get somebody in here that that um, that energizes the fan base. I don't know if he's the guy for that either, you know. So we'll see. But um, that's all I've got. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Jerry, man. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, good call. I mean, I I certainly think that, you know, if you say that we're going to finish this season with eight wins, um, I wouldn't argue with that. If you get a couple more, I wouldn't argue with that. But, I mean, I think the ceilings, you know, I think best case scenario, your ACC record's 5-15, and 15. absolute best case. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I'm going to go on the record of saying I think we'll finish at 4-16. and 16. You double the win total. which, again, would still be pathetic. Uh, Let's do that. Um, Zach, time has absolutely flown by. Let's take our mid-show break. When we come back, um, I'm going to share with you another tidbit from a national college basketball analyst that will certainly, again, get your attention and um, can fire you up for the future of Louisville basketball. We'll get into that next and more. You're listening to Louisville Sports Live, the city's longest-running all U of L sports talk show, right here on 93.9 9, The Ville. We didn't leave our wallets in El Segundo. Welcome back into Louisville Sports Live, hour number two of the city's longest-running all-UFL sports talk show. Ethan Moore here with you. Taylor Lynch is off tonight. Zach Cantrell holding it down for us at the studio, talking all things UFL football, basketball, and recruiting. Before we kick things off in our number two, I want to tell you about my friends at the Edge Capital Uh, Visit them at TheEdgeCapital.com. Also, you can hit them up at 419-777-4647. If you have a small or medium-sized business and you need bookkeeping services, you're going to want to give them a call. Don't pay the CPA rates and hire a professional bookkeeping service that will not only allow you to take the pressure of worrying about managing your financials, but will also give you pointers every month and in-depth reviews into how your business's financial health is. You want to spend more time looking for ways to upgrade your business, make more money, leave it to the Edge Capital to handle the rest, especially once tax season is upon us. You're going to want them to take a look at all your financials, allow them to do that part of the work for you so you can focus on your business and growing that. Again, that is theedgecapital.com. Hit him up at four one nine seven 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 forty six forty seven. Zach, I tell you, hour number one flew by, man. Um, I think um, the vast majority—I don't know if you're able to check the the UPS job te- text line—but I think the majority, and maybe I'm wrong, would would go with us and begrudgingly taking the over in that three and a half number. I just feel like they would luck into it more so than than not. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but but we'll see. Again, hit us up 8150 939 is the number. The jobs text line is 3831939. Um, an ACC game just went final a couple of minutes ago. Wake Forest with a road win and Chestnut Hill they beat Boston College. That was a crazy end of that game. If you watched it, the last. Like four minutes or so, Wake got out to a ten-point lead. Um, BC answered on an eight-o run. Wake got it back out to four. Um, then there was a there was a three-pointer and one. The guy missed the free throw. And I want to say, um, yeah, there it, it was a one-point margin. And with about twelve seconds to go uh, in the half-court, uh, Wake took the ball to the lane, kicked it out for a three. Um, and that was the dagger. Then Wake stole the ensuing uh, inbounds pass and then won by six. So the Demon Deacons approved to 10-3. and three. St. College falls to 9-4. And, and also it looks like UNC will beat Louisville's opponent on Saturday, Pitt, in Pittsburgh. The Tar Heels are running away with that one. It's about a 10-point game um, as well. Let's go back to the phone lines, and Loyal Lawrence will lead things off in hour number two. What's going on, boss?
2: What up, people, man? It's your world, You know boss. what? That was it. a great. That was a great interview with the um, SI guy that came on because he, he made me think about a whole lot of things right there. Like if Wilbur does get rid of Kenny Payne, who should next to be? And Dub and Dub hey. I've seen a couple of those crazy games. He'll be, maybe may not be a hot name to y'all, but I think he, he will build this program into the right way because he can um open the floor, and you're gonna see better offense than you are seeing right now. Now I would love a defensive magic coach like on um, Chris Bird, but hey, it may be some controversy with that one. But on the football side. Like, I think Jeff Brown is gonna be okay because he' gonna because I see a whole lot of um great, um good um players in the transfer portal right now. Like you got that uh, another sort of, um Alabama wide receiver in the transfer portal. I would not be surprised if Jeff Brown um goes after him too. Oh yeah, think about it. You can't have too many um Alabama, Georgia, and uh, hopefully. You saw that linebacker from South Carolina in the transfer portal. I really do hope we will go after them because they need an inside linebacker like that guy.
1: And they do.
2: And with the whole 12-team playoff, now i said we talked about this on Twitter earlier on, Ethan. With the whole 12-team playoff happening next year, like if Louisville makes the 12-team playoff next year, I'm be happy with that. But what about later on in the future when you have – when it goes to 12, probably 16, probably 20 teams, they're going to be like, yeah, Jeff Brown making the playoffs. but how come he can't make a deep playoff run? Because, remember, like every time Louisville Louisville basketball went to the tournament, I said, what was was more important to us? Making a deep tournament run every time. Now, are we going to be that type of fan base where if Jeff Brown making the playoffs if
1: he ain't making a deep playoff run, we're we gonna complain about that. I mean, I think as 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 fans, you certainly would do that. You know, if I mean, but but face Lawrence, I mean, uh, you know, Dan McDonald and Jeff Walls are the faces of their program. Well, what's been what's been you know um, a criticism after a while? Well, why can't they win a national championship? Well, before them. They weren't even getting to the tournament so I would love to answer your question I would love for football to be in a situation to where if they're in the playoff but they don't win at all if that's like like if that ever becomes a thing then we have achieved um another status of a uh, you know, football royalty if you're able to get in um you know like just use the baseball coach Dan McDonald for an example if he he's been here roughly 15 years and he's made five College World Series, something that this program has never done. Well, if you say Brahm's here for 15 years and we make five appearances of the college football playoff, but you don't win it, I mean, I, I would be happy as all get out. And just like I'm happy with the baseball team when you get to the College World Series and when I'm happy with Jeff Walls and the women's program when you get to the Final Four, I mean, those things didn't happen – until those coaches got there. Now, basketball is, is, you know, men's basketball is totally different where you have three national championships and ten Final Fours. You know, you're, you know, you're expected to win a championship, what, after about every three or four Final Four appearances, where we don't have that yet. But, yeah, to, to answer your question, um, I certainly think you would probably have fans complain if you, if you were going to make trips to the college football playoff, you know, several times and, and not advance and not win. But that would be a fantastic problem to have if you're if you're forecasting down the road. I, I think so too, Ethan, because you know with this whole conference realignment,
2: I would not be surprised if, later on down the road, they add 16 teams to the playoff, 20 teams to the playoff, maybe even 32 teams. I know that sounds crazy, but hey, when it comes to money, college football is going to probably make more money with the whole NIL situation and realignment. And probably with the ACC probably going away, I don't know, not this year, but sometime soon and Louisville will probably end up going to a new conference. I can see a whole lot of things changing down the line when it comes to college football. And I think Jeff Brown is going to be a good enough coach where he can win 10, 11 games every season and make two college football playoffs. That's how good of a coach I think he is because You've seen what he's doing in the transfer portal. You see how he's trying to build this team. Now, everybody's worried about the whole wide receiver situation. Don't be surprised if you if you don't see Jeff Brown laying at least another five-star wide receiver. And I'm still hoping that kid in Indiana in the transfer portal comes to Louisville.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Jalen Lucas, now he is reportedly going to take a visit to Florida State. Uh, so, that doesn't look good. Uh, you you would not – if you want him to commit to Louisville, you don't want him taking a trip down to Tallahassee. That is what it looks like um, will happen. Uh, but, yeah, Lawrence, man, I'm with you. Uh, before I let you go, dude, the, the number's three and a half. Louisville basketball, they're going to – what are you taking? Are you going over or under three and a half for wins in ACC play?
2: I already posted something on on y'all on, y'all, um,
1: say on Twitter. I – I saw oh, that ten, five,
2: that and three. Yeah, I posted that. I like if Louisville can win at least five games, that'd be a blessing. If they can win three, I'll be uh, well. They really did one three games, but after after what after what Boston College and Wake Forest did tonight in Pittsburgh and North Carolina, yeah, unless unless some, let some things have changed around the, around the time they've been off. Any two practices they've been having a day, unless they come out and show me something in Virginia, I don't see them winning any ACC games.
1: Well, Lawrence, I'll be – to be fair, man, you know, it doesn't matter if Payne was the coach or not. I mean, Patino and Mac could never beat Virginia either. So, um, I don't think we're going to see anything from that The
2: reason um, – re- I'm sorry, but the reason why we keep moving to Virginia because we ain't knocking down free-pointers. Because Virginia gives you wild free-pointers every time. What happens every time, Ethan? So, we can't hit free-pointers. You have somebody out the blue go show up and put up 25 points. Cause remember that game? Cause what the jet? Who was it, like JJ? Um, I can't. I can't remember the kid's name. He was a high, high, high school player team, though. But if Sky Clark, Trey White, Curtis Williams knock down 3 point shot, and um, Brandon Hugley has to get rebound we may have a chance. But I don't see
4: it because historically,
1: yeah, historically at at home here recently with Virginia, they have been competitive games. I mean, last year Louisville only uh, lost by three points when they played uh, the Cavaliers in Louisville. They got busted up there in in Charlottesville. I mean, and I expect that to happen tomorrow. Um, you know, again, I don't know if this Virginia team is good enough to blow Louisville out by over 20. But, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting Louisville to lose by double digits. Um, and I will have you for the Louisville basketball game show tomorrow night um, when uh, the network coverage concludes. Lawrence, thanks for the phone call, buddy. As always, I'm sure I'll be talking to you tomorrow night. Um, Zach, such a small world. Um, I'm watching St. John's and Butler what louisville ties i'm gonna i'm gonna quiz you what louisville basketball ties are there on the butler coaching staff
0: I, I was gonna say obviously with patino um i don't know it was one of the one of the murray's mike piggies
1: piggies how about that is one of the assistants for thad mata um, that's right butler yep and st john's is up 41 36 with two minutes to go in the first half it's just a small world man like they're gonna walk past each other Patino and Pegues uh both head coaches at Louisville uh under vastly di- different circumstances man that's going to be that that's that's worth a picture if Yeah you so think they, they got to, some the war
0: water. stories that they could share about their time Dude, down here
1: I'm telling you I wonder if they chatted before the game with during shoot around it's interesting to know Probably um, I mean
0: Thad Mod has been around for a while and you know that staff's been around so it wouldn't surprise me yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, Butler looks like they're having a pretty good season, ten and three. St. John's is nine and four, played a pretty tough schedule, so, um, it's been an entertaining first half. Um, yeah, Pitt ended up losing to UNC at home by thirteen seventy to fifty seven. Um, so you know, UNC is, is certainly making their case, uh, for the best team in the ACC along their in-state rival, and Clemson is close behind. Um, and they're the only three ACC teams ranked in the top 25. Um, but Zach, before we get into it, and I was I was itching, you know. Lawrence put that on a tee for me. Did mm-hmm. he mention conference realignment? So That's you right. already know that I, I was getting a little lathered up there. Um, <laughs> this is what Trilly Donovan um, tweeted out yesterday. He has his um, it's it's his website. It's called burner burnerball.com, and he specializes in coaching searches. And uh, among other things, and he's plugged in now, he has been wrong um, as well um, regarding Louisville basketball at times. And that is because, you know, there's information locked out, like nothing's ever getting out. Right. Um, But he said this yesterday on his website, quote, Louisville AD Josh Hurd said Payne will continue to coach through the new year, but didn't go as far to say he would remain in place the rest of the season. This is, the, this is the kicker. Candidates are already lining up behind the scenes, end mm. quote. That's something that Kevin mentioned earlier in our number one as well. Um, and the one thing with Trilly is he's plugged in to coaches in the infrastructure around college basketball. So while he might not know – um, the inner workings of Louisville because he, along with a couple other people were talking about you know, a change is going to be made, looks like it's going to be closed, blah, blah blah, that it didn't happen. But if he's saying candidates are already lining up behind the scenes, then candidates are lining up behind the scenes. yeah, he he is as plugged in as you could get in terms of the coaching and the coaching carousel. He specializes in that. So if okay. something to, again, if you're you know if you're concerned about, um, you know, I've seen, you know, people out there, well, what if Louisville wins a few games, does that mean Kenny Payne's going to stay for, he's going to get a third year? He's not going to get a third year.
0: No, that decision's already been made. I think it was just about, all right, are we going to let him finish the season or are we going to make the move now? And if they're already starting to line up candidates, they're getting ready for next season. And I, I don't know what would make them fire him during the season. If you know, the loss of the team up the road and the two weeks in between didn't do that already, but I guess that door remains open to the possibility that they move on. Now, who would those candidates be? I mean, would it just be the current assistants? Would it be somebody from the outside? Because let's face it, the next head basketball coach at Louisville is probably coaching his team in the NCAA tournament. So that guy's not going to be available until late March, early April at the earliest. So I I don't know who these candidates would be right now because I don't think that anybody – that their team is any good and ready to go to the tournament, they're not thinking about, you know, I'm ready to be a candidate to be the head coach at Louisville right now. That usually yeah, happens sure after the season.
1: Their, yes, exactly. I'm sure they got their third-party candidate, you know, their third-party entities out there kind of reaching in on their behalf. But, yeah. Um, and then, too, I think – Texter um, asked, what's the
0: website name?
1: BurnerBall.com. There it is. B U R N e r b a l l dot com. Texter said, "Is Patino
0: uh, right? Are there Louisville Board of Trustee members who wanted to see Louisville basketball suffer?" Uh,
1: I, I think when um, when you had Bevan get in there and rearrange the board um, with people that d- didn't have U of L's athletics best interest in mind, I think I think there was certainly something to that. Um, There's reason, that at thing- least,
0: to think about that it might be true. Whether it is or not, there's enough evidence exactly. that it's possible.
1: And 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 then too, it, there, there was. It's no secret that um, a lot of the people on the board—I don't know who or how many—didn't like Tom Jurich either. Uh, so I mean, you know, you, but at the same time, you had a lot of scandals that gave him the ammunition to make that move to begin with. So um, you know, hindsight, obviously, you know, Patino, the NCAA didn't. Didn't uh, find Patino did anything wrong at the end of the day, and so you know hindsight could have said, well, you know what, the why did Louisville shouldn't have fired him to begin with? Well, at the time, Louisville it, it was super toxic. I mean, Louisville mm-hmm. was in the news, um, you know, for multiple scandals. Um, you know, who was at fault? We, you can you can argue about that till um, till you're blue in the face. But like at that time, like. He had used up his nine lives. Yeah. Now, if you look back in retrospect, like, well, no, he, you know, he said he didn't know. He said he didn't have anything to do with it. And now the NCAA, the IRP of all in- entities agreed. Surely, sure, you can come back and say, you know, they shouldn't have done this, blah, 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 blah. You know, but, you know, looking back too, you can also say, Louisville should have done what UNC did. Louisville should have done what Kansas did. I get it. I get it. And, you know, that would have been what tried. I would have done. Personally, yeah. you, you, they try to do the right thing, and then they got punished for it. I that's mean, right. At the end of the day, that's exactly what happened, and we haven't been the same since. But now I'm with you. I think Wolves going to attract a very uh, talented candidate, and they're not going to have the NCA cloud. They're not going to have oh, there's potential sanctions looming overhead. They're not. That's not going to happen. That that's not the case anymore. And there will be a long list of talented suitors. For this job, make no mistake, but like Kevin said, I would be patient as well because we have to see how this unfolds. And Zach, you mentioned it too. I mean, we want the, the head coach, the next head coach of Louisville basketball, to have NCAA tournament experience. That's well, right. You would hope that they would have their team, you know, in the second weekend or so of the NCAA tournament. So, they could, you know, if you move on from pain, like, there could be a scenario where our coach is still out there coaching. And, you know. You kind of hope they are. We might not want to wait. Yeah, exactly. We might not want to wait the extra couple of weeks. But, hell, if you waited if you waited three months and wanted him canned after the, the loss of the team up the road, what's another couple of weeks if you can get the guy that can write this ship rather quickly?
0: That's exactly right. Yeah, I don't mind waiting for a couple extra weeks just to be able to get the right guy. Like, Is it fine waiting two, three extra weeks because Dusty May has taken FAU back to the Final Four because Scott Drew is at Baylor in National Championship consideration? Like, Are we willing to wait? Yeah, I'm willing to wait because you talk about free publicity, great recruiting. There you go. You're going to see a coach that's out there in the national spotlight and playing in big-time games, and that's a heck of a recruiting pitch to be able to take to Louisville And let's face it, let's not lower the expectations for Louisville. This is a program that should be able to attract just about anybody in the country. There are six, seven jobs in America that when they come open, that basically every coach that isn't coaching at one of those other six or seven, and I mean Kansas, Team Up the Road, Duke, Mm -hmm. those kind of programs, everyone else should be trying to get their butt to Louisville because it is one of those kind of jobs that if you... If you get the right guy, as we've seen, Louisville can win championships.
1: Game time, yeah. I mean, how many jobs out there can boast that they've had two Hall of Fame coaches? <laughs> I yeah. Mean, you can be you can be in line to become the third Hall of Fame basketball coach and to be the third coach to win a national championship at the school and, what, the fourth coach to take, take a team to a Final Four over yeah. multiple decades. I mean, there's not a lot of schools that can say that, and that's why when people say, oh – I don't know. What do you mean you don't know who they can get? And and sure, um, is the talent pool what it was 20 years ago? No, because you had a bunch of Hall of Famers retire. I mean, that's just how how that is. But, you know, you don't have the NCAA nonsense looming overhead. The only thing, the the only negative right now that's being talked about is how bad Louisville is on the court. You don't have the -the off-the-court nonsense anymore. No, and you can correct that quickly. Absolutely. Um, now turn it over to Duke, Syracuse, uh, and Syracuse is another team that was projected to finish in the bottom three. It's early on, but they're ten and three, one and one in the league. That's going to be a game. Um, I want to say I don't think Louisville. I know Louisville plays them at home. I'm not sure if Louisville has to go to Syracuse. That's I do not they gotta,
0: believe they do, but I will can, keep let in me mind look at
1: that. Yep. Yeah, so um, right now, Duke has a five point lead, 17 12. Um, they do go to Syracuse, actually. Yes, they do. 7th. Yep. So
0: they play them twice in a month.
1: Right. All right. So we already kind of talked about this,
0: Zach. What do you think the record is in January? They got nine games. One and eight. I'll give them one. I yeah. don't. It, it's either going to be Pitt or NC State, and I don't have a strong feeling which one it is yet.
1: I feel like it could be NC State because Pitt. I mean, I'm just going on last year's just drubbings. Um, and they can get hot from three, um, but they don't have a lot, whole lot of size. Like, the last three games, like I was talking about, Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Boston College. I mean, I could see them beating Virginia Tech. I could see them beating Boston College. Although, I think out of those three games, the most likely win would be Virginia Tech.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to – I don't know if I'll – Pick them to beat Virginia Tech, but that would be the most likely one for me. I could see Boston College. I don't think that's inconceivable. They play them twice. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I I think Virginia Tech is the most likely of those three. I think one and eight in January. We'll see what happens in February. If, if they can scratch out multiple wins in February, I'll be a little bit surprised. But I mean, it's just this is why the non-conference lack of performance really comes back to bite you because you could be nine and three right now and you'd be able to weather having a bad january and still have an okay record but because you gave yourself no margin for error now if you stumble through february or through january and you can't win more than one game the record is just going to be ugly that's why you got to take care of your business out of conference and they didn't do that
1: yeah, man, and, but just take a step back, dude. You know what we're talking about? Like, we both think that maybe you can win one game in January. We're talking about an over-under for ACC wins at three and a half. You, you just said, and it just, you know, again, it sometimes just smacks in the face you talked about. Well, they might be able to win a scratch a couple wins off in February. Like, what are we doing? I mean, this is Louisville basketball. We're talking about, like, well, maybe they might be able to get a couple of wins. I mean, again, and that tells you. Why there has to be a coaching change? That we that's have it right there. Fallen so low that we're talking about maybe winning four or five games, best case scenario in the ACC. It's just mind blowing.
0: And this is Louisville. Um, this is one of the great yeah. programs of all time, and we're talking about them like they're Northwestern.
1: Yeah. That's where we're at. Yeah. So two dates. Um, you're looking at again. I think just on paper, Louisville's um, two best chances to win a game in January. Like we said, Pitt. The following weekend is NC State. The Wolfpack are currently 9-3. and three. Uh, I don't think they have any big-time wins um, to date. Uh, I know they played a couple of good teams, but they've lost. Uh, for example, they lost to BYU, who I think is now ranked. They lost to Ole Miss, who is still undefeated and ranked. Mm-hmm. And they lost to Tennessee, who, of course, is ranked ranked. Um, the only, I mean, they've they won at Boston College, and they've beaten Vanderbilt, which is not saying a whole lot. Uh, they beat St. Louis, Detroit, so they don't. Their schedule, they're they're nine and three, Zach. So they basically should have. They're doing what we should have done in the non-conference, and they didn't get that done. So that's right. That is where they are for you. But again, it's just you have those conversations, man, and you're like. What, what are we doing? What in the world, it, you know, it's just, it's, that's why it's so frustrating. But, you know, I, I think we're going to, we're going to, you know, suffer through these two or three months of a cold winter mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, we'll see if we can, you know, th- th- those coaching searches always elicit some excitement, some speculation, but I just would urge Card Nation to be patient. You're going to hear some names. Um, And that just because you're hearing some names doesn't mean that's going to be the coach. Um, But you brought up, I mean, Kevin brought up Dusty May, you brought up Dusty May, and he's a phenomenal coach, but I'm scared of that IU. I'm scared of that IU option, man. You know, after a couple, you know, a couple, three years, maybe I'm sure he'll get things rolling. Well, then what if, you know, what if Mike Woodson retires so he doesn't work out? I mean, is Louisville still the, the job that that is? I mean, you don't have – this would be like – Dusty May would be like Louisville. Louisville's Jeff Brom for Indiana, except in basketball. Played there. He's from there, or he's at least from the outskirts of Bloomington. And, you know, IU fans are, are openly pining for him after Woodson. So, you know, you would always have that in your back pocket. Right. Sure, D- Dusty May would be a great hire. He's a fantastic coach. Uh, Florida Atlantic is an Adidas school. Um, that always helps. It always helps when you go to the Final Four and you have a team that's threatening to make another run to the Final Four. Uh, but, yeah, so everybody's going to have their warts. This is not like, you know, everybody's going to be, you know, happy. I think universally if you got a of Smart, I think the vast majority would be super excited about that. I think the vast majority – would be excited about Jerome Tang. I think the majority—I wouldn't say the vast majority—I think the majority could be excited about Mick Cronin. Although Jerry brought up a good point, um, his offense um, is not is not something that that's very you know exciting. If we're being honest, now yeah. winning is exciting, and he has you know a Final Four and two Sweet Sixteen appearances at UCLA. And again, that still would tell you the allure and the cachet that the Louisville basketball job has. If you go out and take a UCLA's coach.
0: Yeah. i mean, Cause that's supposed to be one of the schools. S- that's supposed to be one of the six or seven programs that when you get that job, you don't leave. And if Louisville yeah. was able to swing him from UCLA, that still shows the standing of Louisville. Now, Mick Cronin's not as high on my list as he might be on others, but I think I could get behind Mick Cronin being Louisville's coach. And you're right. It, it, it doesn't have to be pretty. As long as you win. At this point, I will take Louisville winning every single game scoring 50 points or less. And it just being the worst basketball game of all time. Ooh, as long as yeah. they won.
1: Okay, like, let's not... Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah let, I'm
0: just... That. I'm exaggerating, you know.
1: We can't have Tony Bennett live. No, we can't. I mean? like, well,
0: if you win a national title, you can.
1: Yeah, it's, okay. Fair enough. But, but I think, like, um, you know, a Shaka Smart with his style is exactly um you know the the style that you need that's right um you know uh, Kevin mentioned Creighton's coach uh McDermott I I haven't really thought about him but he wins at a high level they play an exciting
0: style of ball they had his son Dougie Buckets was the uh, player of the year a couple of times and Creighton is usually averaging 80 90 points a game
1: And, again, after his son left, like, they're still winning. So, he's able to put more roster pieces together. So, like, for example, for Dusty May, he's a – listen, there's no doubt about it, he's a fantastic coach. What worries me is the IU connection, and it's the same team. Because if you look at his record before the Final Four season, you're a lot – you know, you're in and around 500. You know, you're not, like – you're not being super impressive. But, still, you're getting to – the Final Four, and and your team is competing for another one. That has to mean something. That yeah. Means, if you go to the Final Four, you're a hell of a coach. Yeah, especially I mean,
0: at FAU, who had no history whatsoever. So I kind of yeah, disregard exactly. some of it.
1: Exactly. So Jerome Tang, again, he is on he is on um, my top list. But the one thing that could concern you is, um, was that elite run, elite eight run, was that like. A one-hit wonder type of scenario, or like so. But if he if he goes back this year, goes you know if he goes back to the tournament, say gets to the Sweet 16 or something, okay. Then, then then that situation still a smaller sample size. But again, you want somebody that can adapt to NIL, can use the portal, and wins. Well, Jerome Tang checks that box. Shaka Smart plays an exciting brand of basketball. Again, I don't th- I think he's you know from Wisconsin. He's got, he's got Marquette rolling. I don't foresee him um, leaving. I know for a fact he wanted the job uh, when Mack was hired. He was interested in the job again when he was still at Texas, when, uh, before Payne was hired. Um, pretty confident in saying that. But time has changed now if you're back at your home state and you are at you know Marquette. As far as I know, I don't think they have a Division II football program or anything. So he's at a basketball school, Big East. So um, you know he's got everything he needs there, but I mean I think I think if Louisville made it, Louisville could be in a position still to make him an offer that he can't refuse.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but what do you you know what are you wanting to do there? You know how much money are you um, wanting to spend? I have the mindset, Zach, that Louisville basketball needs to do what Colorado football needs to do, and this you just hire a coach and you find the money after that.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean. Now, you want it to turn out better than what Colorado's season ended up turning out to be because they lost sure. their last six. But if you get somebody that gets the fan base excited, then you find the money, you find the transfer portal guys. Like It is not, as we always like to talk about with Kenny Payne, this is no, no longer a three- to five-year rebuild. That doesn't exist in college athletics anymore, especially not college basketball, where all you have to do is turn over an entire portal class and you can be really good all of a sudden. Just ask Iowa State. Just ask Kansas State. All you got to do is hit the right portal, guys, and you can be a contender right away. So I don't want to hear this, oh, it's going to take this guy a couple of years. No, it it doesn't have to.
1: Yeah. Do you have any takeaways from the Kenny Payne Presser today? I mean, again, like I said, it was pretty short and sweet.
0: Yeah, that's probably my biggest takeaway is that it was short. And at least there wasn't anything that came out of it that I'm ready to just pounce on and be like, what, what did he just yeah. say? Like that, that's where we're at also with Kenny Payne press conferences. Like he didn't say anything that generated an incredible amount of headlines. So I guess that's a success.
1: <laughs> I mean, again, I mean, how low is the bar for that? <laughs> They're doing um, the bare
0: minimum over here.
1: <laughs> exactly. So uh, a little bit of portal news, um, any Boone, a very talented running back, Um, from Toledo, is scheduled to visit Louisville this weekend. Um, He is a four-star prospect in the transfer portal and um, had a fantastic season. I want to look up his stats. Um, He played. uh, He looks like he had signed originally uh, to play at Maryland, transferred, went to Toledo, put up crazy numbers. Again, I want to try to find his statistics, um, but this is a guy that would start alongside Don Chaney, um, or uh, maybe Chaney could um, be the Isaac Garendo of this year if Penny Boone were to commit. Now, Florida State and Miami um, are still on him as well. He's a top 100 guy in the portal. So this this was a guy that I would assume if he comes and commits, then that means i g is not staying
0: yeah yeah that would that would be the telltale sign now i would what would you take would you rather i g come back because I think I would yes between those two yes. options, I would take i g coming back because he's a proven commodity and really kind of became Louisville's best running back the second half of the season so if you have him yes. and Cheney together, I think that's a really nice one two tandem. I think it's kind of what we yep. saw this year.
1: Too, I, I really, really like Kwan Brown. I, I really, uh, I really do. But again, I think it's important um, to also uh, include the Florida State and Miami are after him. Um, also of note, um, the Big Ten sack leader from Purdue. Mm-hmm. that was supposed to be visiting Louisville. Is now not, and one of his trips is to you guessed it, Florida State. I think Texas A&M now is on his list. And, you know, in this day and age, I mean, people are getting paid to take visits. That's right. So, and this is why it pays um, to kind of, to be a little silent about it. But unlike the basketball coach, you know, Jeff Brom understands that he's going to have to recruit against other top schools for top talent. That's how it works.
0: Yeah. He's not just, oh no, Florida State's after this guy. That means we can't get him. Like he's going to take his shots. Now he's landed some prospects that had, they were considering, bigger schools than Louisville. So I respect that Brahm is still out there and he's not gonna back off. Now it's gonna be tough because Florida State, as we've seen, puts a lot of emphasis on the portal as well because so many of their top players last year were portal guys. I mean, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson come to mind there. Jared Verse transferred from I think a n nor- upper northeast school. I don't remember. Albany, yeah. that's right. And he turned out to be one of the best pass rushers in the country. So Mike Norvell's got himself quite a niche down there in the transfer portal and Florida state right now is one of the hot programs in college football end of season, notwithstanding.
1: All right, man. So, you know, we only got about roughly 12 minutes or so left in the show. You mentioned Florida state. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and take that as my cue to, um, use the final segment for, you know, conference realignment. Uh, Let's go. News and notes. And, you know, and seriously though, I think we're still a couple of years off. Um, What's what is your sense, you know, from following Ohio State? Mm-hmm. It, it looks like, and again, I know everything is fluid; it can drop, uh, it can change at the drop of a hat. But at least right now, the SEC is on record of saying that they really aren't looking to expand. And mm-hmm. you know, you take that at face value. I think it is now they like where they are; their footprint. They're still they're bigger, but it's not an unwieldy number. It's sixteen. Of course, Florida State, Miami wouldn't really give them new markets. Um, and, and when Florida State leaves, I mean, I, I, I'm not even considering them going to the uh, SEC. I think they're Big Ten bound when they do leave. My question to you is: How do you? What is the number that the Big Ten wants to get to? Would it be just adding two to get to twenty? Do you think they could? They would want to go bigger, or do you think they just add? Because Florida State would be available. And then if they can get out of their granted rights, they take Miami because it's a like-minded institution and it gives them more of the Florida market.
0: I think it's the latter one because I think Florida State and Miami, what they do for the Big Ten is it makes it a truly national conference because the South is the one part of the country that they don't have. They're going to have a footprint in the West Coast now. Obviously, they own the Midwest. If they could go down and get Florida State and Miami, Miami probably matches up better academically but Florida State, as we know, is one of the biggest brands in college football. And Florida State has an axe to grind with ESPN and an axe to grind with the ACC. And what would be a great spot for them to uh, to go to stick it to them? Go to the Big Ten, who's owned by Fox. So I think Florida State, probably if they were given the option, I think they would want to go to the Big Ten. And if I were the Big Ten, I would certainly reach out to Florida State and if I can get Florida State, then the next team I'm taking is Miami. And I know everybody talks about Virginia and their academic profile and everything. I don't think Virginia brings a whole lot from a football perspective, and let's face it, basketball is a big sport. But when it comes to conference realignment, football dominates over everything else. And if you can get Florida State and Miami together, I mean, you talk about – you you already have probably the greatest rivalry in college football, Ohio State-Michigan. You have USC-UCLA. You have oh, – Oregon-Washington, you have – and then you could have Florida State-Miami. I mean, the Big Ten, by going into the South, that becomes the first true national conference. Now, my question would be would they want to go to 20 or are we just going to go all the way and go to 24?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like – I mean, because they're already at 18. But I, I still am of the mindset, man, that this this college um, – the the market share for media rights I think that bubble's gonna burst man sooner or later yeah I, I don't see any of the I don't see the big two getting anywhere close to paying their teams a hundred million per year I will I say just, the Big Ten
0: did the smart thing and that is they signed their contract only up until 2030. the SEC's deal is up in 2034 so the big Ten gets to renegotiate again
1: yeah. Yeah, and I think um, I want to say the SECs before t- uh, twenty thirty four. I think they might be twenty thirty. I think they're right on the. They heels might have moved out ten again.
0: Yeah, they might have and moved out.
1: But that, and then, but that's part of Florida State's um, issue, and I understand it. I mean, but they still signed the document. But I mean, but this is just you know. Again, I love being in the ACC. I think best case scenario, if let's just say, you know, Florida. Florida State and Miami leave, if there's some way that they can retain the others and, you know, somehow make the payments anywhere closer, that would be the best case scenario. You think Clemson stays if
0: Florida State goes? Cuz that's the, the the three big dominoes are Florida State, Miami, Clemson. If Florida State and, and Miami leave, do you think Clemson stays? Well, I mean, if they if they're not one
1: if the Big 10 is good at 20 and the SEC is good at 16, because then it speaks to, again, Clemson is not, you know what I mean, Clemson is not a, a new property to the SEC. Now, it all of course it all hinges on this this lawsuit. If Florida State wins it, then it's it's open season. then then UNC's gone, then Virginia's gone. Then you know, of course, Clemson, but I think Clemson and Florida State, I think they're more likely to go to the Big Ten than they were the SEC for the same reasons. That I mentioned for Florida State.
0: See, I just that they already have. Yeah, I don't look at Clemson as a Big Ten school, though. I think Clemson is culturally, school-wise, that's a fit in the SEC much more than they are in the Big Ten. Florida State fits Big Ten profile. Clemson really doesn't.
1: Yeah. Oh, I I don't. I don't disagree with that at all. But it it just depends on what this lawsuit is, and then you know, I, um, I did listened to an interview with Commissioner Phillips ahead of the, um, the Georgia beatdown of Florida State. And, you know, they asked him about it. And he's, you know, he candidly said it's very disappointing. And he said, we will fight this as long as it has to. Because, um, you know, basically said in, a nice, in the nicest, most professional way possible that they signed this agreement. And we're going to uphold that to protect our conference. So they're not going to be looking to negotiate. Um, you know, so it's not like the ACC could be like, all right, you know what, Florida State, we're sick and tired of your of your nonsense. Just pay us the $572 million and then we'll call it a day. And then with that, though, let's just say Florida State threw their fit and the ACC threw their arms up like, all right, you know what, if you can give us the $572 million, see ya. Yeah. What if the Big Ten was done expanding with them? They just added them, and they're at on you know they're at an odd number, but there's you know they're a free agent. They get Florida State. Well, okay, you disperse the 572 million between the remaining members. That's a revenue bump. Uh, I don't know. Can that can that you know hold teams over? I mean, maybe it does. Maybe it's not. I think Zach. It all comes down to how, how much bigger does the SEC and the Big Ten want to get? They hold all of the cards in this. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And I just don't see the ACC's big brands coming over to the SEC because, again, one, the ACC, you know, uh, ESPN owns the rights of the ACC at a a bargain number. Why would they green light that? And then, two, you know, ESPN, you know, is not going to pay. You know, they, they there was some talk about the SEC going to a nine-game conference schedule. Well, ESPN doesn't want to pay any more money for a ninth game. So, as of right now, they're not going to do it. So, I don't know, to me, that just means that, you know, I think the bubble's going to burst at the next go-around. Sure, the SEC and the Big Ten are going to make more than the other two power conferences. But I'm not ready – at this time to write off the ACC completely. No. So we just uh, wait now, for the it, suit. That's all it is. Yeah. Exactly. And again, if, if Florida State loses, then I think we're back at square one, but I do think there's good they're gonna be out of the conference before twenty thirty.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's well safe before. to say. Yeah. I Definitely before twenty thirty. I think the over under is probably three years. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that could – that for all we know, that could be how long the, the lawsuit takes. So we'll, we'll see how yeah. that all transpires. Lawsuits take but a while. To, yeah, and at the same time, you know, Louisville, um, Louisville picked a good good time to start winning and being relevant in football. You know, if you're going to win 10 games and finish in the top 20, whatever, um, you know, I think the Big 12 is, is Louisville's landing spot unless the SEC wants to get to – Could you see Louisville being in the SEC if the SEC elects to go to 20 when the Big Ten gets their pick, too, of the SEC? Yeah,
0: I don't know. I think Louisville, in order for them to be in the SEC, it would have to basically be what some have predicted, and that is the AFC-NFC model where it's just the Big Ten and just the SEC. Otherwise, I don't think Louisville ends up in the SEC.
1: Yeah, I think it's a long shot for sure. Louisville to be there, but I, I can see a scenario where you're going to have three power leagues of around twenty, twenty-two teams. I mean, uh, sure, would there be some teams left out potentially? I think absolutely.
0: that's where we're heading. I think all three of those power teams are going to have twenty. I think twenty-four. I don't think twenty-two is not. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to go to either twenty or twenty-four. I think my guess is eventually by 20, 28, 2030. There's going to be three 24 team leagues.
1: So, do you think? I mean, you think ESPN does anything to protect the ACC, or they're like, "All right, man, it's going to be a free for all." Uh, I, I still don't see them just letting go. I mean, you know, the ACC is obviously not, but like, you would think, and just till recently, I mean, the conference on the brink outside of the Pac-12 was the Big Twelve. Was the but Big Twelve? Yeah. Now, they're, they're as stable as ever. They come up to negotiate, I think, in 29. So they're also going to be able to renegotiate by then. So and, with the ACC, not until 2036. But then there was that clause in there that talked about 2027. There's no guaranteed revenue after 2027 because they have to relook at it. But then the grant of rights is still up through 2036. That's going to be a main sticking point in favor of of at least what Florida State wants to prove legally. But, hey, you're, you're trying to keep us in this league to 2036, but there's no plan as of right now past 2027.
0: So think we forget, I think we forget how much ESPN – as much as everybody talks about ESPN doesn't value the ACC football-wise, the, AC, the, the ESPN really values ACC basketball. I mean, just look yes. at how many times they go to Duke, North Carolina every year. Look at how many – ACC games. We're seeing it right now. I mean, Wake Forest and Boston College, Syracuse Duke, North Carolina Pitt. ESPN's entire block of college basketball programming today has been ACC basketball. So I think ESPN has no real interest or they don't want to let that go. I don't know. They don't value the ACC from a football perspective. And we know that football drives everything. But I think if the ACC can salvage and keep ACC basketball, I think they're going to milk that cow as long as they can.
1: And then too, the fact that ESPN spent tens of millions of dollars on the ACC network—I mean, that's that—that that is no small task. No. I think they do great. I think they do a great job with the ACC network. I agree. Um, uh, I I still, I mean, I I, I like the SEC the commissioner Brett Yormack. I'm a huge fan of his. That's about think, the Big you know, Twelve.
0: Oh, yeah. Sankey in the
1: SEC. Gip, oh, my bad. Yeah, Sankey in the SEC, Brett Yormack in the Big 12. I think those guys have those visionary plans that, that like, can get you excited and the schools kind of rally around, whereas I think Phillips is just too quiet and he's he's a step slow. I mean, when Oregon and Washington were out there, why didn't he listen to LSL? We continuously mm-hmm. said, hey – Make Oregon and Washington, you know, an offer. You don't know – I know they were not, they're they holding out for the Big Ten, but they're already taking half a share, right, at $30 million. Well, if they join the ACC, they'd be getting more money off the top than that. And then, you know, who's who's to say that um, the ACC can't be, you know, around $50 million soon, sooner rather than later, especially with, with multiple new markets? I'll but, be honest, you know, they...
0: as far as Jim Phillips, until he we... – I saw him on that interview Saturday. I probably couldn't have picked Jim Phillips out of a lineup because I never hear really. from him, never see him. He, Jim Phillips, I don't know what his job is as the ACC commissioner because he's certainly not out there. I see Greg Sankey parading around college game day trying to get two SEC teams in the playoff. I see Tony Petit out of the Big Ten at the Fox Studios promoting the Big Ten. I don't see Jim Phillips anywhere.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's that's just been another misstep, man. They're, they're, they've been a, a day late and a dollar short. Um, with everything, I remember they tried. The story came out when, um, you know, the night of or the week of the the Pac-12 collapse. You know, they started having meetings um, to potentially invite seven Pac-12 teams. Yeah. Well, the Big 12 was doing all that legwork before that. They'd so already gotten course, Arizona and Colorado, and yeah, and it was it like over. Now you can't you can't add those teams. You can't talk about adding those teams now when those other schools. Um, were being vetted and coveted by that other conference for so long anyway. They did the homework. Um, and again, just a, uh, a day late and a dollar short, uh, and that's been the ACC story in terms of uh, you know this recent uh, lineup of college realignment. But, you know, listen, Zach, you gave me that little leeway. Lawrence brought it up a little bit. I had to take full Oh, advantage. we got to
0: talk. The next time we do a show without conference realignment talk, it's going to be the first. We got to talk about it.
1: <laughs> we have to. It is certainly a major major thing on the cusp of Florida State, you know, saber-rattling. Uh, the Knolls are certainly doing that, and you know, we got to talk about it because they they make their intentions well known. That'll do it for us on a special Tuesday edition of Louisville Sports Live. I want to thank Zach Cantrell for, for keeping us on the air and also his um, analysis. We certainly enjoy his perspective um, every week on LSL as well. We'll have this podcasted up here shortly for you guys, and And just a quick programming note, I will have you for tomorrow's Coors Light Louisville basketball postgame show. Taylor will have you for the pick game on Saturday. Until next time, go Cards. Looking for a rewarding career? One that empowers you to serve your community, change lives, and reach your fullest potential? Become a correctional officer for the Kentucky Department of Corrections and earn up to $28.30 an hour with great benefits. Help create a better, safer Kentucky. Apply today for a correctional officer position in your community at careers.ky.gov. That's careers.ky.gov. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system.
2: Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling.